Galatians 4, 8-20 Earlier, before you knew God personally, you were enslaved to so-called gods that had nothing of the divine about them. But now that you know the real God, or rather since God knows you, how can you possibly subject yourselves again to those paper tigers? For that is exactly what you do when you are intimidated into scrupulously observing all the traditions, taboos, and superstitions associated with special days and seasons and years. I'm afraid that all my hard work among you has gone up in a puff of smoke. My dear friends, what I would really like you to do is to try to put yourselves in my shoes to the same extent that I, when I was with you, put myself in yours. You were very sensitive and kind then. You did not come down on me personally, and you were well aware that the reason I ended up preaching to you was that I was physically broken, and so prevented from continuing my journey, I was forced to stop with you. And that is how I came to preach to you. And don't you remember that even though taking in a sick guest was most troublesome for you, you chose to treat me as well as you would have treated an angel of God, as well as you would have treated Jesus himself if he had visited you. What has happened to the satisfaction you felt at that time? There were some of you then who, if possible, would have given your very eyes to me. That is how deeply you cared. And now have I suddenly became your enemy simply by telling you the truth? I can't believe it. Those heretical teachers go to great lengths to flatter you, but their motives are rotten. They want to shut you out of the free will of God's grace and so that you will always depend on them for approval and direction, making them feel important. It is a good thing to be ardent in doing good, but not just when I am in your presence. Can't you continue the same concern for both my person and my message when I'm away from you that you had when I was with you? Do you know how I feel right now and will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives? like a mother in the pain of childbirth. Oh, I keep wishing that I was with you. Then I wouldn't be reduced to this blunt letter-writing language out of sheer frustration. Now today, before we dive into the text that I just read, I think it is helpful to get a better sense of the context of the text right after, because you may, especially those of you whose eyes may have just glanced the passage that follow what I've just read, would have some concerns about what Paul wrote there. Without reading the rest of the whole chapter of Galatians 4, a summary is this. Paul continued with his letter addressing the concerns he had for the Galatians, and he drew on the ancestors of the Jewish and the Arabic race to make a point about the former beings, sons of promise, born from a free woman and according to the Spirit and the latter being the son of slavery, born from an Egyptian slave, and according to the flesh. Then Paul wrapped up his poem with a question and an immediate answer, as well as an application. But what does scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, and for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, 
but of the free woman. Upon hearing this, you may think, "What did I just hear? Is this bigotry? Is this racism? Is this pro-slavery?" I want to take a moment to address this concern that you may have. After all, the vision based on race, systematic racism, and the continuation of slavery are certain and present issue nowadays. You see it on the news. You see it on the streets. You may even see it right at your door. I would ask the same question then. What does Scripture say? If we consider the whole Scriptures, all sixty-six books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you will find that God is in fact quite against slavery. It started with God liberating one people group out of slavery from their ancient Egyptian oppressors. And God patiently taught this people group to not continue living as slaves with an innovative and progressive law. It started with having a day off from work every seven days. Well, even that took them some time to get used to, and both slaves and the free did get to enjoy some time off. Today we take this for granted at Sunday. Then God also patiently taught his people group not to enslave others. Well, as if he anticipated that they would do the opposite of what he said and would copy the neighboring people groups anyways, God taught them that every seven years the slave needs to be set free and also introduced many rights for the slaves. This was innovative in the ancient Near East. Today we take this for granted as workers or human rights. And God also gave a law to address the systematic issues within society. Every fifty years, the economic injustice created by privilege among this people group is supposed to reset, with debts, land leases, along with slave arrangements, to be dealt with fairly. This was called the jubilee. Today, I think a lot of racial tensions persist because these injustices have not been dealt with. Prejudice leads to poverty. Poverty leads to physical violence, and physical violence leads back to prejudice, and there is no hope unless the cycle breaks. And lastly, even Paul himself was in fact against slavery. Years after our current letter, Galatians, Paul also wrote a letter to Colossae, which was also in modern-day Turkey, and with it he also sends a personal letter to slave owner. Philemon, and Paul took a tremendous legal risk to himself to fight for the slave Onesimus, owned by Philemon at that time, by first accepting Onesimus when he was a fugitive running away from Philemon, and later appealing to Philemon to accept him as a brother instead of a slave, no longer a slave, but a brother. In most places in the world today, we no longer. Have legal slavery. Yes, it took more than a thousand years. Along the way, with Christians like William Wilberforce, Abraham Lincoln, and many others playing a role to accomplish that. And I also recognize there's so much that needs to be done, as Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. puts it. Still, Christianity as a whole, I think, in principle, is against any form of enslavement. And its foundational contribution should not be taken for granted. God uses you and me to practically do some good to bring hope, both directly 
and indirectly for our world today. I am more than happy to chat further, and I also recommend the book Seriously Dangerous Religion: What the Old Testament Really Says and Why It Matters, by Professor Ian Proven. Well, now let's move on to the New Testament. Back to Galatians. Today's message is titled "Concerns." Other than concern about enslavement due to the race issues, well, Paul's concern here in our letter is related to enslavement as well, but in a spiritual sense. In this case, the Galatians were once enslaved, then freed, and then being enslaved again. Today, we'll trace through the movement between these three states: enslaved, freed, and enslaved again, to showcase our main point: you. Unknown by God, and He is concerned for you and your freedom. You are known by God, and is concerned for you and your freedom. First, God is concerned for you when you did not know Him. Verse eight. Formerly, the Galatians did not know God, and they were enslaved to what? To so-called gods that had nothing of the divine about them. This is referring to paganism, in which people, in this case Galatians, worship so-called gods that are no gods at all. And you may ask, if they are not gods, then does it matter? Then does it? Well, it does. For one, the Galatians, in their false worship, might submit themselves to be enslaved by spiritual beings who are against the real God. I do not know what your experience is, but in my own experience growing up in Hong Kong. With extended family that engages with non-Christian spiritual practices, this is very real spiritual enslavement. I recently had a conversation about this with someone else this last week. Please feel free to reach out if you want to discuss further. For two, ultimately, no matter what it is that we submit ourselves to, the human heart is actively seeking out to give highest worth to something. And it could be these gods, false gods, but it could also be something else. Some turn to earning money, and some turn to spending money, and some to our own resume, some to other accomplished persons, and follow them. Sometimes it's the feeling of romantic love, or the excitement created by substance or certain activities, or as Jonathan has put it in the previous week, even religion. None of these, however, is concerned for us or for our freedom. Instead, more often than not, after a small taste of good feeling, these tend to enslave us. Money is a cruel master. Our thrill turns into addictions. Did you know? For example, here in our province, drug overdoses have claimed more lives than COVID-19 over this last while. Freedom is not just choosing what one wants to do, but also. The ability to stop doing it. We, in truth, is that we are always enslaved to something. It is only by being enslaved to God, who knows us and is concerned for us, that we can truly be free. Second, God is concerned for you and wants to know the truth. Through Paul, God told the Galatians the truth. Verse sixteen: God wants you to know the truth. While they were in their first days of being enslaved, the Galatians met Paul, sent by God, who brought them 
the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection. With every good intention, Paul shared with the Galatians, even though he was in a poor physical conditions. It was arranged by God, in a way, to bring him to Galatia during his journey. Well, the Galatians received him and the gospel, and they transitioned into the second state of being threat. There are two things I think we can learn from this development. One is that God uses us even in our weakness. He used Paul. Paul described how he had a physical brokenness, and to the point that he thought he would be scorned and despised by the Galatians. Yet somehow the Galatians came to accept him. The point is, when God works through you, like He did with Paul, He uses you to communicate both verbally and non-verbally through your strengths, and even more so with your weaknesses. So learn from Paul's example and be like him. Well, two, the open-mindedness of the Galatians. In those days, the culture that they had is not as woke as the one we have today. The Galatians would more likely. Rejecting Paul because of his physical brokenness. If not, Paul's message was also not one to be considered well or wise. In fact, it was considered as shameful or foolish. A crucified God, dying and then coming back to this rotten physical world. On the surface, there's a lot of grounds for the Galatians to reject Paul and the gospel that he preached. But as we have established that God was working through Paul's weakness, in fact, there should be credit due to the Galatians themselves as well. Paul would testify, verse fifteen, that the Galatians would have given him their eyes. Well, let's just say the Galatians have both an open mind to accept Paul, and also eyes to see beyond outward appearance. In this case. His physical brokenness, as well as his race, Paul was a Jew. They came to receive and know the truth of the gospel, and I think we can learn a lot from that too, especially in a day and age where race relations became such a polarizing topic. We discern based on what that is deeper, and receive others with hospitality, as we will receive Christ Jesus Himself. Verse fourteen. It is by only having an open mind that we can be free to see the truth that God sees and feel His concerns, instead of just going along with the flow of those seeking to enslave us. Third, God is concerned for you and wants to form Christ's life in you. For the Galatians, unfortunately, this was quite a challenge. Paul said he was in anguish in verse nineteen. Paul was concerned. It was because after being fed by the gospel, the Galatians were shut out by some heretical teachers. Verse seventeen. Who are they? Well, in their case, these people came to Galatia and taught the Galatians some weak and worthless principles of the world and tempted them to subject themselves to become slaves once more. They are willingly becoming slaves again. To observing special days, months, seasons, and years—all these taboos, superstitions. Well, let me say one thing: special days are not necessarily bad. 
For example, the observation, say for next week, Father's Day, or Indigenous Day, or the day after would be Discovery Day for Newfoundland and Labrador. These each serve a purpose. They have their meaning. They remind us to keep our mind and eyes open to the earthly and heavenly Father, as well as the need of the fatherless. Hospitality of the indigenous people in the past, as well as the past oppression, and the hope for reconciliation through the gospel proclaimed even in residential schools. The key is traditions serve to form Christ's perfect life of truth, acceptance, and love, rather than enslaving us to acts of guilt, shame, or hatred. Many are motivated to shut us out of the gospel in order to make themselves feel important. Again, verse 17. While it is good to have an open mind to what God is up to, it is just as important to be discerning to not turn away to heresy from the truth. Two things we can do then. One, to really know God. We will be bombarded with all kinds of fake news and worthless principles of the world today, especially thanks to the internet. The secret sauce then to come to this is to know the real gospel well, just like how cashiers and bank staff are trained to deal with forged vouchers and bills they were trained to know what the real thing was like very well. The gospel then, the good news for your reference is this. Jesus Christ died for sins of the world and came back to life, both in body, physically, and also in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit as you or anyone receive him. God is concerned for you and wants to form Christ's life in you. Second thing, too, is that if you have turned away, turn back. God is concerned for you and wants to form Christ's life in you as if you are his little children, so that you may be able to say, it is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. For the Galatians then, God's concern was expressed through Paul's letter here, both in the form of a warning as well as love. Well, we have covered quite a bit from Paul's letter today. I think just as Paul has put it, I too wish to be present with you now. But to wrap up and conclude, this is what we have covered. You are known by God, and He is concerned for you and your freedom. He is concerned for you when you did not know him. He wants you to know the truth. And he wants to form Christ's life in you. Turn away from gods that are not real. Be slave to none other than the real God who gives freedom. For some of you, this means God can use you in your weakness. And for some of you, you can have an open mind to see beyond appearances. Above all, get to know the truth of the gospel well. Turn to Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. During this time, with all that's going on, all sources 
wishing to enslave us from our freedom. God, your truth brings true freedom. And you seek to know us and desire us to know you. Help us, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may know Jesus and that his life can be formed in our lives so that the world may see, even in our weakness, that it is no longer we who live, but Christ Jesus live in us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you.